Hopefully not Well, hello. Welcome everyone to the Toy Box Mouse Clubhouse. I'm your host, Jerry. I'm here with two other great co-hosts, um, Brett and George. Say hi, you guys. Hello. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome yeah. to um, the Toy Box Mouse Clubhouse. Did I say it correctly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. It's a well, tongue twister. Well, I don't know what the fuck I was just trying to do. I was trying to do a goofy impression, and I can't. And it is sounded. <laughs> it, it's it sounded like a dying goat. <laughs> it sounded like a bit from the Eric Andre show. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! But yeah, um, I'm George, and I. I don't know if this will be out before the uh, the Gold Derby Horses podcast is up, but I host that along with our boy Tristan French. Yeah. So for those of you who are like, oh, what's this podcast and what's going on? We're here to just talk about all things Disney Plus, which is their streaming service. As we're recording this right now, it's nearing its one year anniversary, which is crazy because it feels like yesterday was when I was at D23 and they were kind of like hyping it up with everything that was going to come out and whatnot. So to, for today's first episode, we're going to be talking just about all the year one originals. And then in the future, every month we'll be, every month in the future, we'll be, take, we'll be talking about all the new ones coming out for year two. Some like exciting ones like WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and just anything else that Disney's going to throw out at us in this next year. But like I said, for this first episode, we're just focusing on what's happened in this first year. Of course, it launched and there was some great hits off the bat. I think we can all agree the biggest one is The Mandalorian, which kind of became a pop culture hit. And I think without it, Disney Plus would have been nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it would have been nothing. I think... If you have a streaming service that has every single Disney property on it, our lease is going to eventually. I think that's going to be a good buy. But I think Mandalorian made it to where it would compete with, like, Netflix and Hulu. And, like, you could also maybe say, oh, Netflix would have been nothing without House of Cards. But, like, it's kind of the same idea as their mailing service, just on a streaming platform. Yeah, I can see that. And... I guess, like, the idea of The Mandalorian was just the fact that it was, like, a super quality, like, big-budget TV show that was released once a week on Disney+, Plus, so people continue to have to, like, have their subscription to watch it. They couldn't just binge it all. And, uh, yeah, it made them a lot of revenue, and it still is with season two. Yeah, with season yeah. two airing right now that thankfully got finished before the pandemic started, yeah, that's yeah. one of the only things we get, I guess. Yeah, um, I watched episode two yet of season two, and I'm bummed. Oh, it's pretty, it's pretty I love, good. I love the first episode. It's yeah, great. overall the show I think is really good. I think it's just one of those shows that's like pushes the boundaries with TV in terms of I feel like it's it could be like a Star Wars movie. Like if you pulled me into a dark room as like, hey, here's a new Star Wars movie and you just told me that I probably would have believed you, but it's actually just an episode of The Mandalorian. Like 
I, I think, think the cra- most compelling things about it is the fact that it doesn't entirely feel like a Star Wars movie, though. Like, they're like bounty hunters, and they're going to these different, like, destined worlds, and it kind of feels like Kurosawa-ish at times, because they're messing with, like, places and different people, and they're running the... De- it's like a Monster of the Week type of thing. Like, it does use the foundation of the TV really well, I think. Yeah, I get you there, but I'm saying as, like, a normal viewer who's, like, TV, they think of Friends or The Office, this is something that's definitely bigger budget and way more of, like, an adventure, is what I'm oh, trying yeah. to say. You, you could put this on the big screen if people want to feel like they were ripped off. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, like, Baby Yoda became a thing, <laughs> the child, as Disney wants us to call it. Yeah. I work at... Yeah, I work at Hobby Lobby, and now this holiday season, it's just I we sell so much Baby Yoda merchandise. Of course. Yeah. He's adorable, and, like, I just, I'm afraid that Baby Yoda's going to become a minion after a while, though. I'm afraid I'm going to be like, all right, stop it. Stop pushing this to me. I like this. I don't want to, like, be annoyed by it. But I love Baby Yoda. Yeah. It's definitely, it's a cool show. I think everyone does a great job. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't know if you saw the um, the Disney gallery, the behind the scenes of The Mandalorian, that they had like a little like documentary series. I watched the series. first episode, and I haven't been able to watch the rest of it yet. It's but. so cool, because I didn't know until that, but they filmed most of their, most of the show, like on a soundstage, and like a floor-to-ceiling, like screen that wraps around so it's it's just really cool like the technology they've done to make the show and it's a thrilling like an adventure ride and of course anyone who loves star wars there's just so much easter eggs and it's just really great and i think it's a great like flagship original show scripted show yeah i i agree i immensely enjoy it the very last episode of season one is still just like maybe perfect television. I think Taika, well, anything Taika Waititi does, just he's on he's on a roll right now. Yeah, it could probably yeah. the whole show at this point. He's on a bit of a career high, you know, winning an Oscar and being on Mandalorian and stuff. Yeah, but I feel like he's like way far from being done yet. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I'm just saying, like now it feels like he's on a career high. Yeah, definitely. Which is weird, because, yeah. like, about five years ago, he was just this kind of quirky guy, you know? Like, I mean, that's kind of what happens with people. Greta Gerwig almost went on a similar route, and then, like, Bombac also, and Wes Anderson was kind of like that. like, Edgar Wright used to be like that. Like, you had to be in the know to know Edgar Wright, but now, like, every yeah. single student's like, I want to be Edgar Wright when I grow up, you know? Y- yeah, once Scott Pilgrim came out, that's, like... People realize Edgar Wright was the shit. Once Scott Pilgrim came out, and then five years later, people realized. Because <laughs> whenever Scott Pilgrim came out, people like did not see it, and it flopped. And now it's like this cult classic favorite, and it's uh, one of the best movies. Yeah, I'll just yeah. say that, ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can just stop after that. <laughs> so. Hey, one of the uh, best comic series ever. I apologize. No, it's okay. It's cool. So, of course, the streaming service launches in November, and there's big hype and whatnot. But as with the rest of the world, 
Disney Plus kind of suffered because of the pandemic. A lot of their major shows were put on hold. For example, Falcon Winter Soldier and a lot of their scripted shows got held back, which led has which has led to a criticism I've seen online a lot is that Disney Plus doesn't have a lot of good scripted like shows, and it's a lot of like documentaries. But I don't see that as a bad thing. I think Disney Plus has produced so many just amazing documentaries. The first one I that pops in my mind is the Imagineering story. Which, which is my favorite thing Disney Plus has done. We can get into it. It's yeah. My one. Yeah, it's like my number three. But it's, I, I mean, like, it's still up there, man. It's just everything a Disney lover needs, wants, craves. <laughs> it's like, so that project has been in development for years. Because I remember reading about it. Like, they're making an Imagineering documentary. And it was going to come to theaters. And I was like oh, that's going to be my stuff. I cannot wait to see that. And then I never heard anything about it until they were like, yeah, so we filmed a lot of footage for this and it's going to be a six hour long movie. And I was like, what? I'm so into this. And then they're like, oh, we're going to make it a series. And I'm like, all right, cool. Now I can breathe whenever I watch it. Um, yeah. But it's fantastic. I watched the entire thing. I teared up a few times because I think, so what's interesting i might end up being on like every episode of this podcast because there's not many people with more vested interests in disney lore as me like they're few and far between and (laughs) so the imagineering project for any like vintage disney fan who has studied this stuff it's it's a dream i mean (laughs) it's just a cavalcade of interesting developments and it's the one thing that like whenever people say that like disney's is a greedy capitalist corporate business which i mean they are kind of right in a certain way but i always point to this to be like they're actually innovating things like they're still using this money to to push art in an interesting direction yeah yeah definitely um when i first like heard about it i was a little on the weary side like oh i really hope this isn't like hey this is just a six hour long advertisement go disneyland it of course it's not i love how disney was like yeah we've also made some mistakes too it's been some time since i've watched it since the premiere but i remember like i think there was one point when they were like yeah we built like too many theme parks and we like pushed the animation department like until it almost went extinct or something like that. And it was just crazy things that they showed. And they were like, yeah, we made mistakes because we're a company that was proud that they didn't like sanitize or scoot over, you know? Yeah, that's that's the really um, compelling thing, I think, about the Disney Plus platform in general. Is you, It could have been really easy to make all these documentaries that's just like, man, Disney look at it look how great it is and of course they do that but i also like the fact that they tell honest narratives yeah definitely which is definitely ties with um what i came on this podcast specifically to talk about um the frozen (laughs) 2 documentary into the unknown which had five good cry moments in it Um, yeah it is like i don't i'm not even so I've evolved on my thoughts on Frozen 2 as a movie. When I first watched it, I was like, oh, that was, like, not good. Like, the straight up did not enjoy that. That was really disappointing. They really dropped the ball there. 
And then I kept hearing these people like, no, this movie's actually good. You need to check it out again. You need to check it out again. Like, you got this one wrong. And I was like, okay, fine. So then I watched it again. And I was like, okay, I'm vibing with this a little bit more, but I think it's still flawed. And I watched the documentary. Now I genuinely like the movie because of the documentary. And it's an immensely flawed movie, but I almost appreciate its audacity to be as flawed as it is, especially after seeing the process of them working this out. And one of the things that, again, kind of took me aback the first time I watched this documentary was the fact that they were just straight up like, yeah, we don't have the ending of this movie worked out. And it's like six weeks until show. And I was like, yeah, true. I would probably like be crying on set if that was the case. Like, we're like, yeah, we don't know what the voice is. And it's just like six months before show. And you're like, are you kidding me? You guys don't have this figured out yet, but that's what makes it so honest and raw in that yeah. way, you know? And it's so interesting. You can just, there's the producer who's like produced on Disney films since the nineties. And I'm just like, how is that guy still breathing? I don't get it. Yeah. Cause like, it looks like he's about to have a mental breakdown the entire series. It's, it's just so insane. And it, it kind of makes me mad when I go like on YouTube and it's people like, oh, why did it take so long to make a sequel? Well, because the animation is freaking amazing. Disney isn't going to like throw stuff together. They're going to take their time and they plan their details. I mean, I've told you guys this before. I think to me, what was heartbreaking to see was the point in the documentary where after all the test screenings, um, the director and like the head team were like, okay, we're going to need to cut some scenes out. And they cut to this one animator guy we've never met before. There's one of the millions of animators working on the movie that's like, yeah, so, like, I've been doing this shot of, like, like dew on a leaf or something like that for, like, six months, getting the texture of the water of this, like, of these five million water bubbles just right. And they cut that shot for the movie. I don't think I ever could do that. Like, I've worked six months on this, and they just kind of, like, threw it away. But he seemed, like, just so used to it. I guess that's just life. But I think that broke me (laughs) and kind of stuck with me after the documentary. Like, how much work just goes into this? And it's so unfathomable to even describe. And, like, congrats on the hard work. If anyone ever happens to listen, it's from the Walt Disney Animation Company. Yeah, we know you. We know you're listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is insane because I've totally thought, like, my big thing as a kid is, like, I want to be an animator. I want to make animated movies when I grow up. And look, I draw all the time. It's something that's a hobby that I do a lot. And I'd love to create my own characters in my own worlds. But I realized, oh, I'd want to be an animation director because I don't know math. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, so much math and precise. That's the thing about, so animators and imagineers both have to be wicked smart at like math and science to make that work. And I'm like, that's, and they have to have the creativity. They got to have the left and the right brain to make that work. So props to them. Yeah, definitely. I've heard that they're making um, a docuseries about Soul coming at Disney+. Plus. I think it's, I'm not sure if it's official official, and I think it's more going to be focused on how they 
how they finished the movie, you know, during a pandemic. But either way, if it's by the people who made this Rosie <laughs> 2 documentary, it's going to be a 10 out of 10 before I even see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine, look, Frozen 2 is a 7 out of 10 movie for me. I'm sure Soul's going to be a 9 or a 10, so that documentary will probably be like a 12. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be insanely good. Oh, man. Um, yeah, on, on the same topic of like documentary style Disney Plus things, I'm going to give a shout out to Prop Culture which no one has talked about after its release. Yeah. I mean, like, as a huge movie fan, too, this show's, like, was, like, made for me for some reason. It's this guy, every single episode is focused on a different movie, and he goes and he finds the props for it. Fred has had to have seen this, or he needs to see this, because it was totally made for him. Yeah, I bawled. (laughs) Like, not gonna lie, that was, like... I think this entire episode let's be like yeah i cried at that this is this is disney man um but yeah the muppet one completely broke me man it was so good and like you had told me you need to watch this and i saw it and i was like yeah this is gonna be for me and then i watched it and i loved it so much that i watched it over again right after i finished it. yeah a <laughs> uh, big mood yeah it yeah. was interesting, too, like, there was one episode I loved on the Pirates of the Caribbean, and kind of just the details, and of course, it's just, I love these, like, little shows, as it just gives a moment for these people to shine, like, yeah. you watch yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean, and you're like, oh, these are so cool sword fights, and that's all you probably walk away from, but then you have to realize, oh, they had to hire a blacksmith to make that sword and they have to make it really detailed so when jack sparrow's fighting it hits and it sounds well and so many different components and every detail needed to be just right and how those props and you mean like without them everything would change and uh anyway so good (laughs) props master is a very hard job very underappreciated hard job in the hollywood business um I haven't seen every episode of Prop Culture yet, unfortunately. I've been meaning to. But I got to, like... Because the Muppet movie is, like, my fa- one of my favorite movies. It's definitely up there. So that's, like, the first one I watched. And then I watched one on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Because I have an immense love for that movie, too. And that one's great. Yeah. And I don't like this movie, but I watched the one on Tron. Because I thought that was really interesting. And how upset the guy was. He was like, yeah, nobody appreciated my vision at the time. And yeah. Like, yeah, that sucks, man. <laughs> Like, that's a big mood. But, um, yeah, I'm taking a production class in college right now, a film production class. And if you want to have a job that's just going to make you stressed forever, like, just be a film producer. It's it's insane. It is insane how difficult it is to coordinate not only a budget, but, like, what time people need to be on set, how much they're getting paid, and what they have to bring. It's just, like... that's caused the most of my headaches this year. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm doing a production booklet for The Big Sick, which you would not think would be that much of a production-heavy movie, but my word, is it difficult? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to all the producers out there who made our movies shine. <laughs> yeah, we, we love you. Yeah. We're so executive producers. Yeah. Because producers just like throw money at things. Like Spielberg's not dealing that for the Transformers movies. He's just collecting a paycheck. That's cool. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but is executive producer just like, here's money, and they don't work with the project again, right? Or is it like, 
No, executive producers are more the people who run the show. Producers are the ones that just kind of throw money. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I think the next kind of documentary kind of teasing towards like all the original content is Howard, which I really, really loved as a documentary. It's about the life of Howard Ashman. And again, I think it's one of those examples of Disney Plus kind of like saying, oh, this isn't Disney Channel. And we can kind of tell these mature stories. There's, of course, the controversy with Love, Victor, which I can rant for 20,000 years about. But I appreciate them putting out the story of Howard Ashman. And again, they weren't hiding anything about it. They were upfront, like, okay, this was, yeah, a gay man who died of AIDS. But he also wrote, like, all your favorite songs from your childhood and he should also be represented in his story told. And so, yeah, I really love that documentary. It's a beautiful documentary. I really enjoyed Howard as well. He's maybe, I mean, absolutely one of the best songwriters that's ever lived. And unfortunately left this world way too soon. The dude was an immense talent and it was a devastating documentary. It was a good look. I also love the fact that they focus so much on Little Shop of Horrors, which is like the best musical. Yeah. I love that little segment. I was like, thank you, because that's pretty much how he was discovered to do Little Mermaid. So, yeah, I love that, that they they brought that up. I was like, that's a weird, weird musical. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, the guy who made an entire song about a dentist that was beating his girlfriend. We're going to get that guy to write the Little Mermaid music. Yes. <laughs> like, what? Okay. But it worked. Yeah. 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 Gosh, like, imagine, like, the Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast without, like, those songs that just are, like, classic Disney now. Yeah. Uh, gosh, he also yeah. worked a bit on Aladdin, too. Yeah, I, I I admire the guy for working, even as he got more and more sick. Like, it was so heartbreaking. I Like, the story, too, of... I forgot his writing partner, like, on the Disney movies. What's his name? But, like, they were working on, I think, Beauty and the Beast, and he was telling the story of, like, they couldn't get this one part down, and Howard, like, got frustrated, and he, like, left the room, and then his his writing partner like started crying because he thought it was him. He had no clue that mm-hmm. like he was slowly dying. And uh, it's just a beautiful documentary honoring a great Disney legend, I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So all the other like Disney Plus originals, there's a lot I really love. So <laughs> I, I'm not sure where to start, but I think a really cool thing that you could check out are the Pixar Spark shorts and the, Walt Disney Short Circuit, which are these short films. Basically, the two animation companies were like, hey, look, you there. You haven't, like, directed, like, a major film before, so we're giving you a chance with these short films, and they're each have their own, like, creative, like, art style and whatnot. And I just love the fact that, like, they're giving these artists who work on these beautiful movies, like, a platform to kind of tell their own stories and it's just really amazing kind of a dream to do that someday i'd love to be able to do a spark short yeah definitely and so shout out to them i I know favorite one's kit bull so far that's not a hot ticket at all but kit bull is heartbreaking i think my favorite is out 
the sparks right out. And for the short circuit, there's one called Just a Thought that's drawn like a 1950s like newspaper comic. And it's really oh, cute cool. and adorable. And it's like a, it's a little kid who everyone can start to see his thoughts, right? As he's starting to get a crush on a girl in his class. So like mischief ensues. And it's really sweet. Oh, that sounds like the most horrific thing ever. <laughs> yeah, but it's Disney, so it's done in a really sweet way. Okay, okay, that sounds that's that's good. Um, so first off, I know me and Brett have talked about this, and Brett doesn't like it, but I really do think High School Musical, the musical, the series, okay. is honestly <laughs> <laughs> really a really great show. Because I think it's so clever. Because let's think about Disney. They've just re- been rebooting like the same story of like being the beast and Latin or whatnot. They could have totally done the same thing for High School Musical. But instead they went in like this cool new direction that still pays homage to High School Musical films while creating something new. For those of you who don't know, it's like the kids who go to the high school where the High School Musical movies are filmed are putting on... The project, their own production of High School Musical is like a play. And it's very much if The Office had a baby with Glee, because <laughs> they do the whole, um, what's the word, where the character's talking to the camera, like a mock- mockumentary style that adds a little bit of flavor. And yeah, I know no one else probably is going to believe me, but I love the show. And the original songs didn't have to go off as hard as they did, but they did. <laughs> And, of course, the talent of this young cast continues to be amazing. They're making season two right now, and I can't wait. Because they're, they're going to be doing Beauty and the Beast, and just, I think that, that cast has what it takes to do it. Yeah, that's my little thing on High School Musical the Musical, the series. <laughs> so, I was excited for High School Musical the Musical, the series, the show, whatever it is, because... I thought that it would be this really interesting meta-commentary, like, Phil Lord and Chris Miller could do. Like, I was almost expecting it to be, like, Clone High, but live-action. And it's definitely not that. Like, they certainly, what Jared describes as a combination of Glee and The Office is probably the perfect representation, but that also entirely describes why I don't like it. (laughs) It's just, like, so not my speed at all and i was really wanting something a bit more subversive than it actually was like i want a show that made fun of its tropes and its character arcs and stuff but instead it treats all these characters like in a really sincere way and that's <laughs> that sounds like a positive to you like you should totally check it out but like for me i was wanting something that like didn't treat itself seriously if that makes sense because i'm like i don't need to take high school musical to show the series like i I don't need this to be a pretty little liars you know yeah that's interesting because i feel like the show does like at points it's like okay high school musical is ridiculous but at the same time i think they're trying to combine like theater and how it impacts like high school students and the impact it can cause on them you know and i i think that's like a really sweet message too yeah i don't know i i get that it's just like the idea like what really threw me off of the show 
Because I remember watching the they they premiered it on like Freeform before it came out on Disney Plus the first episode. Yeah. And so I tuned into the to the first episode on ABC or Freeform. It's the same thing, whatever. Yeah. And uh, I remember them being like they had cut to them to the actors talking about the show, and they'd be like, "So who's going to end up with Jessica? Is it going to be Brad or Chad? Stay tuned after this." And I went, "Oh no, this is not going to be the show I wanted it to be." That doesn't happen. I think that was just for the for the network thing, because <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> Again, uh, I can't tell you exactly what they're saying, but it was stuff like that. Like it was like they're they're treating the petty petty drama of high school life like seriously. Yeah. And I get there's a there's a place for that. Like the grassy was huge. Like I get yeah. it. But like it's just not for me. Yeah. It's stuff I don't care about really. So. I don't know. Like it's all it's also a subjective thing. Like I acknowledge the fact that it has its audience and why it works. Like that that's the same thing about Glee. Like I, I Glee annoyed me too, but like I completely get why people like Glee. But like then you get to the family guy and the big bang theory and I genuinely don't get the appeal. <laughs> yeah. 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 I would say the the high school musical like got its fans too. Like I love seeing the comments, like especially like like, from people online saying, like, I really didn't think this show was going to be any good, but then I watched, like, the first half, and it starts to grow on me. So maybe, I don't know. So are you saying I should give it another shot sometime? I say so, yeah. Okay. I might. Yeah, de- definitely. Maybe, I think when, once you get to ending, month, you're I'll like, back. Uh, I'll come back and I'll bought the merch and a t-shirt. Season two is coming soon, and we will be talking about it on the podcast, so maybe that will be your time. <laughs> what if season two is just straight up, we are who we are? Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, they just all go on a military base. <laughs> Me and Brett still haven't finished, we are who we are. Yes, you do. I really Yes. Yes. As someone who's watched all it, it's amazing. What Mom, else is... Do my HBO Max subscription. Yeah. <laughs> what... What if Disney Plus bought We Are Who We Are and Season 2 plays on it and they didn't get Love, Victor? Uh, I don't know when I should do it, but I need to rant about Love, Victor, man. Because I think that was horrible on Disney's part. Because, okay, Love, Victor was taken off because it was like, hey, underage drinking and, like, some cursing and the parents are going through a divorce. Ooh, spooky. When I'm watching... <laughs> The Simpsons is on Disney Plus and yes. the content is worse. <laughs> then someone point out, okay, maybe you just don't want that with the Disney Plus original branding name. I'm like, okay, fine. Then I'm watching the right stuff, which if you don't know is the their newest show on right now. And it's a scripted show about the Mercury Seven, National Geographic and whatnot. They are cursing too. They're drinking, they're smoking. There's characters, there's, like, one character in particular that, like, his character arc or his, like, his character significance is he's having affairs with other women. Granted, it doesn't go to R-rated territory, but, I mean, it's pretty, like, PG-13 rating to, like, women, like, taking off everything and whatnot. So I'm, like, I'm calling Disney out kind of right now because Love, Victor is really wholesome and really sweet and something definitely that, like, LGBT kids could rally behind. And if that show had been with the Disney Plus branding and getting to such a much wider audience, I think so many 
kids, young kids' lives could have been changed. But, yeah. Same thing, too, with the whole controversy of, like, Disney stopping the Lizzie McGuire review because the first two episodes revolved around, like, like a, a plot about, like, sex and cheating. I'm like, come on. I think now with the right stuff, they can't hide behind that anymore. I guess yeah. I figured that the right stuff is aimed at a more adult audience on the Disney Plus platform. Like, I don't think, like, they're going to distinguish, like, Hamilton or the right stuff with something that was intended for kids. But at the same time, you do have to think, like, what's your line, you know? Yeah. I, they haven't really established a good line. I think also, like, we'll talk about this maybe next, but Hamilton was also such a huge hit for them. And that wasn't a G-rated show, right? So I think they Mm -hmm. realized, too, they can't be family-friendly. I mean, there's been rumors a couple weeks now, because they own Fox, that they might be adding, like, an adult-only Fox content and getting, like, Alien and Deadpool and whatnot to put on there. Yeah. But that would be, yeah. I don't know. And I I think, like, for the Lizzie McGuire reboot, I don't know a 12-year-old who knows who Lizzie McGuire is. The people who know Lizzie McGuire are in their 20s and 30s. That should be the audience you're targeting exactly. to. Yeah. And they know what sex is if you're in your 20s and 30s. So I think they will be fine and not scarred for life. Boom. <laughs> yeah, the I mean, Will Victor controversy is a whole bunch of bullshit for yeah. a bunch of reasons. And like... They could put it on Disney Plus and like nobody would care. Yeah. It, but the only reason that people there's even remotely a concern is because characters are gay. And yeah. it's like, okay, well either Bob Iger is just a homophobe or I, I, I don't know. Some But but you know what's hard too is on high school musical there is an openly gay character and it's treated as like like any other like relationship he starts to like have a relationship and it's treated the same there's a show called diary of a future president which was surprisingly good that the first season had her brother going on a coming out journey howard is about a gay man so it's there they have stuff on there i don't know what's going on <laughs> i think i think they got scared for no yeah. reason. For love, yeah. because it was very early on. Whenever they were releasing stuff, that was one of the first things they released. And I think they saw teenage drinking, teenage sex, and got scared. They might not even known that the show was as tame as it was. I haven't seen it, but I figured that it wasn't that bad. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Love was pretty tame. Definitely. They could have watched it before. It was um... almost too tame. It was fluffy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's probably more drinking in Love Simon than in Love Victory. <laughs> I'll tell you that. They yeah. probably could have just watched the show before making their decision. Yeah. Yeah, that but, that that would have been good. Um but isn't like 10 things I hate about you on Disney Plus? Yes it is. Yeah, cuz that's and what was, I watched it on and I was kind of shocked that was on Disney Plus not going to lie. Yeah. Cuz yeah. there's Allison Jenny plays like an erotic writing school teacher. I'm like, what the heck, Disney? Anyway, I'm calling them out for that. And and like I'm a big Simpsons fan. I watch The Simpsons a lot on Disney Plus. There's some messed up crap that happens on that show. It's hilarious. So you're just yeah, like, right, that's yeah. interesting, Disney. <laughs> it would be like if they decided to drop Family Guy on Disney Plus one well, day. It's like. I remember I was watching an episode the other day and like Homer got thrown in a wood chipper. He was like getting shot out of the wood chipper and it was like blood and guts and everything. And I was like, wow. 
I get it's a cartoon, but still, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised it's on Disney Plus in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like Family Guy being on Disney Plus. Well, Simpsons is number one, a much more wholesome family show than Family Guy is. And better. Like, it fits the Disney format better than Family Guy, but. I guess, but. They still have, like, some similar content. (laughs) Well, it was. That was, like, not to go off on this. But, like, everyone thought that, like, oh, yeah, The Simpsons and Family Guy is the same thing. And then they had the crossover episode, and people realized that they're really uncomfortable with The Simpsons characters being in the Family Guy okay, world. Okay, I never said that they were the same. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, because okay, I don't want to get off on a history of Family Guy lesson, but I can just briefly. Um, Seth MacFarlane pitched a show to Cartoon Network about a kid and his dog, which ended up being the Brian Stewie plotline of Family Guy. And they passed on it. But at the time, Fox was looking for another show to put on their animation. Because The Simpsons were so popular. And so Seth MacFarlane...
Philadelphia, which Brent has seen, but Jared and I have not. It's the um, best of the year. Are going to help further uh, make th- those like stage recordings more popular, especially with people like uh, you know Spike Lee attached to them. Yeah. Let's see what what else was good. I would say, oh, Phineas and Ferb the movie was just such a nostalgia trip, and one of the yeah, great, great like yeah, someone who grew up with Phineas and Ferb the movie was just uh, hey, we know 2020 has been hell. Let, let me breathe for five to ten minutes and take me back to the eight-year-old kid who watched new episodes every Friday night on Disney Channel, you know? Yeah, so I think when, that was just such a lifesaver for me. <laughs> yeah, when, like, when it cut and, you know, they have that, like, guitar strum and the da-da-da as, the, like, they cut into an episode. And yeah. it had that like, music as Candace walked around. I was like, oh, my gosh. Because it's, like... They didn't lose a beat, and they hadn't made an episode in six years since then, I think. It was something like that. Like, it'd been, there's no new Phineas and Ferb thing for six years. Yeah. But, like, it felt like they just dropped right back to where they were at. And this episode just happened to be an hour long. Yeah, definitely. And I loved that. It was great. The humor, the music, I think it all worked. I think I just need Disney Plus to commission a Gravity Falls movie. I would like to see those characters that would back. Be, but... Interesting. I don't think Hirsch should be on board, though. Hirsch is doing his own thing now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hirsch kind of openly admits that they really did censor him on Gravity Falls. I have no idea what he's going to do on Netflix, but it's going to be wild, man. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, like, I've seen all the Disney Plus originals because, I don't know, I just started doing it. Some underrated, like... Underrated slash surprise things from Disney Plus that not a lot of people are talking about. Um, the first thing I would say is Earth to Ned, which didn't have to be as funny as I as I thought it was going to be. Like, I was generally shocked at, like, the wit and the humor of it all. Yeah, I love Earth I'm, to Ned a lot. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm laughing. I didn't think I'd be laughing this hard with the humor. And then... Yeah, Diary of a Future President. You can look at the trailer and you can be like, oh, so another Disney Channel show. Oh, great. That was my thought going in. But then the show's like, hey, wait, this is something deeper. I'm like, oh, shoot, really? <laughs> it's surprisingly like, like, yes, it's about like a middle school girl who's going to be the future president. But at the same time, it tackles like grief and loneliness and like I mentioned before, the brother has, like, a great, like, like realization, like, sexual identity realization. And it's not, like, censored in a way it would on Disney Channel. Like, there's open discussion about, like, girls having their periods. And, like, there's a scene in which the mom, like, has a talk to her son about sex you know it's like oh see this is why it's not on disney channel but i think it's still like a great show and again really surprised that disney allowed it but hey it's going for a season two it's filming right now and i'm really glad because i thought it wasn't going to do it because not a lot of people were talking about as much as like high school musical or the mandalorian which i know are like different shows but i think it's this little underrated gem that you'll have fun with, and yeah. Yeah, um, Earth to Ned, I'm sorry, that's like, undermined, because I haven't seen Diary of a Future President, 
but Earth to Ned's amazing. Um, I picked up a D23 issue I got, and I saw a page for it, and I was like, oh, this is up my alley. It's the Jim Henson Creature Shop making a talk show. Yes, please. And it delivered. Unlike Muppets Now, which I'm guessing we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. But, but Earth to Ned delivered to me what I wanted Muppets Now to do. And fun fact, just something I wanted to um, talk about real quick. If you watch Workshopping Humanity, you'll know that I had a live update and screamed about this in the middle of the episode. But um, So you know the sidekick character in Earth to Ned? Yes. His designer follows me on Instagram now. <gasps> what the heck? Oh my yeah. gosh. He won nice. the Creature Shop uh, whenever that game show was on. Yeah. Uh, that's me, amazing. Yeah, Robert Bennett is his name. You can look him up. He's a cool guy. Wait, wasn't but, this on the 1975 episode? Yeah, it was. That's what I just mentioned. I like. I had it like I shouted. Guys, Robert Bennett followed me on Instagram, and they're like, "What?" I don't think I heard the 1975 part, but I remember hearing that on the episode. That was great. Because <laughs> this comes out of nowhere. Like the rest of the episodes, like us in deep discussion, and then there's this one part where I'm like, "Guys." Robert Bennett from the Jim Henson Creature Shop Challenge. <laughs> well, it's going to be on... I want to mention it on every podcast I can now. That's going to be my new goal. <laughs> yeah, you guys just try... Uh, like, Ben is just talking about roadkill on Notes on a Conditional Form. And then... then... <laughs> and I go, guys, guess what? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, one more underrated thing that just came to my mind that people should definitely watch on Disney Plus is Stargirl. I described it to everyone in the group chat as like an A24 um, coming of age movie, but without explicit sex or drugs or language. The cinematography honestly didn't have to go that hard, but they did. There's beautiful like Nevada landscapes and just the way they framed a lot of these shots is very theatrical and very not made for TV movie, which I really appreciated because it helped create, it helps the story with the creation of like something magical coming in real life. I'm really sad that not a lot of people are talking about it because it's so good. I think it's going to go down as like Disney Plus's best movies. And it's definitely there with like Togo too as like, man, I wish this could have gotten theatrical release. Would it made a lot of money like Avengers Endgame did? Probably not. But to see some of these visuals on the big screen is really would be really cool to see again. You know what's like interesting about that movie? Um, yeah, I think I've told you two before, but this movie is directed by Julia Hart and written by her and Jordan Horowitz. Um, Jordan Horowitz is like the producer of La La Land, and he's actually the guy who said, Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Uh, they, they wrote and directed another movie this year called I'm Your Woman, starring Rachel Brosnahan. And I have actually seen this movie through Chicago Film Festival, and that does, that is not a DCOM. Like, that yeah. is, it's, it's so weird. No, but like, like I said, it just, it shocked me so much how the visuals, like, weren't anything I was expecting. And it's just so good. I think the lead actors are really well. And it's definitely when, I think, like, Brett and, like, all of you guys would really love it. Like, if you sat down and watched it, 
is it's definitely one of those like movies that will conjure up like warm high school like nostalgia villains and i'm gonna go for it kind of like freaks and geeks but less humorous but i don't know i'm giving high praise to it if you if you pull the freaks and geeks card, you know you're gonna expect perfection. Maybe maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I did it anyway. And yeah, we love doing risk in life. <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, and then Can I talk Black about how Muppets now sucks. One more thing, and then we'll get oh, into okay. the bad. But Blackest King was oh, so yeah. it's so weird. It's so weird. It's good, I guess. And the only reason it's on Disney Plus is, I guess it references The Lion King. But it's like, Disney Plus? Like, this is the best place? Like, it's very, like... I wouldn't be surprised if Disney had no control over this. It's very avant-garde and very artistic. And it's Beyonce doing her thing. It kind of, like, tries to set up a Lion King story in the first 30 minutes, and then I feel like it kind of ditches it, which is one of its main problems. But at the same time, the costume design, and, of course, Beyonce being a queen with her music, kind of is like, okay, this is, like, a three and a half. But, yeah, it's very... Nothing is, like, held your hand through you through the movie and nothing is explained simply it's very artistic which is something that i feel like a lot of people on disney plus will be like like it's no what's a good movie it's no like snow white and the seven dwarves it's it's very weird but at the same time i love disney for taking that risk yeah i started it and i remember being like what <laughs> it's a very yeah, what movie but it was interesting but of course, with the good and the you should check it out, every company has to have failures and bad things. We've seen a couple. Do we want to start with Muppets now? We yeah, should start Muppets with Muppets now. now. Sucks. <laughs> Muppets now sucks so much. And I'm so upset of his existence. Okay. You're going to... Here, here's the next 10 minutes of your podcast, Jared. Just Here we go. Let's do yeah. this. I'm so excited. I'm okay. hyped. I'm hyped. So, Muppet history here. Disney, like, everyone's concerned about how Disney doesn't know how to use Star Wars, right? Star Wars is as culturally relevant as it's ever been. They had the Muppets on a silver platter. Like, here you go. You can do whatever you want with these guys and the Muppets should be the hottest thing right now and they have continued to be misrepresented in every single regard and Disney obviously has no idea what they're doing with these characters so the Muppet show that came out in the 70s which was a phenomenon one of the best television shows ever made by humans um was this group of weird puppets who put on a variety show each week (laughs) That was as cynical and goofy and surreal as anything that's ever been on television. It literally, there's this an episode where Gonzo eats a tire, and it's amazing. <laughs> like, and it became this phenomenon because people kept tuning into it, being like, what on earth are they going to do next? Like, what is the show? But it was also hilarious. It was also witty. It was also clever. And then it led to... The Muppet movie, which is still one of the greatest achievements in cinematic history, and you can quote me on that, is one of the most beautiful films ever made about Hollywood and people trying to find their dreams and finding connections within each other and discovering a new family with people who share the same dreams and passions as you. It's a beautiful film. 
And since then, so the Muppet lore <laughs> made it to where the Muppet movies after the Muppet movie were being made as movies. And that might make no sense. But let me try to explain this. So the great Muppet caper, they'll just like announce that they're making a movie and then go, here are our characters. And then they'll play us as characters and occasionally break the fourth wall and be like, yeah, I'm Fozzie Bear. I don't know what my line is. And it's such a weird way to address a movie. It's so weird. So Disney obviously did not know how to handle that type of filmmaking, I think. Um, and it's not necessarily their fault. So the Muppets were bought by Sony for a little bit before the Disney acquisition. And Sony made Muppets from space, which is one of the worst Muppet movies. It's abysmal. Um, it's not like the worst one, but it's not great. It's it's pretty bad. It's like Space Jam with Muppets, but it doesn't work as well as Space Jam. Because you can do what you want with Looney Tunes. That's fun. But the Muppets are like, I don't know. It just doesn't work quite as well. So Disney buys the Muppets. Barely does anything with them for a while. I believe they released Muppets Wizard of Oz, which is hands down the worst Muppet movie of all time. It is one of the worst movies ever made by by people. <laughs> it's just <laughs> terrible. And they, they flounder the Muppets for a while until Jason Siegel comes in and goes, guys, I got a pitch for a Muppet movie. And Disney goes, you know what? We think that's going to work. And so The Muppets, the reboot in 2011, right, is the idea of making a Muppet movie after the Muppet movie from 1979. So they, these Muppets have made all of their movies and now they have squandered their potential and they've been separated from years and the studio's rotting. So it's a meta commentary about the fact that they're now irrelevant because people have not known how to use them for a decade. So you get a Muppet movie that is a whole lot less more cynical, a whole lot less cynical and a whole lot more sincere. That's the idea of that movie. And People, people like that movie was genuinely loved. I love that movie a lot. Um, some Muppet fans feel like it's the first sign that Disney doesn't know what to use the Muppets for. Um, I think it works particularly for that movie. I think the Muppets still have their personality. It's a funny movie. It's a heartfelt movie. But it's the idea that the cynical edge of the Muppets is gone. Because it's these post-Muppets from their time after the Muppet movie and after making all these Hollywood movies. And so then the Muppets Most Wanted comes out and the Muppets Most Wanted is a complete bomb and it is a terrible movie because they're playing, they're pretty much doing the great Muppet caper without the cynical edge and just doing goofy riffs that really don't work. It doesn't resonate at all with audiences. doesn't make money. They're like, shoot, we think we have the franchise here. And so what I'm saying is, you know what you need to do? You just need to make it a television series again. That's what you got to do. You just got to make it. So then they made the with the Muppets. And that was literally the show. There was nothing else to it. And so instead of making a cynical show, they made the most cynical show. <laughs> like they almost went too hard on what they needed to do, but they overcorrected and made the show where like 
the Muppets were getting drunk and having sex. And it was very uncomfortable for everyone. Like, nobody liked it. Like, everyone would tune in and be like, why on earth is Kermit cursing? What is happening in my life? And so Disney went, all right, we don't know what to do here. So they do a complete 180 from that with Muppets now. And they're like, we're going to make this the silliest, kiddiest crap we've ever made in our lives. And now all the personality from the Muppets is completely stripped. All of it. It's it's beautiful how much of a train wreck it is. What I was saying is I think Muppets Now might be the worst Muppet product outside of Muppets Wizard of Oz. Because it's just a special train wreck that will never be topped ever in the history of cinema. Um, but Muppets Now might be the second worst Muppet product. Because simply, the rest of them are interesting to talk about. But Muppets Now is just sad because you realize that Disney has completely, utterly dropped the ball. And they have no idea how to make the Muppets. It is the most sanitized Disney Channel dog crap I've ever seen. And it's just like, look at me. I'm Fozzie and I'm making a new video. yip dee doo Here's Miss Piggy giving us beauty tips. Even though the entire funny aspect of Miss Piggy is the fact that she's annoying. Why are we having a whole segment about Mrs. Piggy? She shouldn't be the star of the show. That's the entire joke of the Muppets. Why are you giving her her own segment? That makes no sense. Can't. And it's just... <laughs> I love this so much. Parts, the only funny parts are the, the game show that Pepe has. And Linda Carlini popping up every single episode. But she gets wasted in them. Like, Linda Carlini is in this. She's the only woman I simp for. This should be... (laughs) 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 Iris, easy knowing that she got money, though. She probably got big money. And she'll use that money to pay her rent, to treat herself, and live her best life. Literally. This is how little they cared about Muppets now. Okay. The sure, very she... last episode, there is a watermark that says, like, Final Stamp Pro, buy full version. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even buy the full version. I remember that. <laughs> what on earth is this? Okay, this is amazing. Shouting right now. So, George, do you even know, like, like the premise of the show is, like, the I... entire... It's like a talk show, right? No, it's it's um they're making a variety show for Disney Plus, and shoot, I forgot the guy who's in charge. The Muppet that's the Muppet that's in charge, and the whole point is every episode is like, hey, you gotta finish these episodes. They're due tomorrow, and he's like, okay. And so you see on his computer screen, and he's like, um, I'll put this segment here. And then it's like a segment about Miss Piggy, Miss Piggy doing beauty tips. And you see that segment. And it's just so bad because there's a lot of like online vlogging stuff. And you see like they're trying to appeal to younger viewers, but it just doesn't work. Here is Jim Henson's entire thing. He created Sesame Street and he said his pitch for Sesame Street was he wanted to make a kid's show. That parents would watch and also find enjoyment in. So the whole family could watch the Sesame Street. The Muppet Show was a cable 7 o'clock primetime show. Jim Henson said he wanted to make a show for adults that kids could also watch and appreciate. And that cynical edge, that clever humor, 
that quirkiness of the Muppets that was so saved with Jim Henson. That biting humor is gone. They're just sanitized. They're just as sanitized and corporatized. It's it's a product of a show. That's yeah. the saddest thing. The Muppets is this really unique property, and there's nothing else like it. And it's just corporatized and bastardized at this point into this limp body of a thing that they didn't even care enough to buy the full version of an operating system. Oh. We... We love our little rants of the night. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I, I don't like puppets now. Yeah. I, I just uh, don't. I, 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 we, we figured that out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thank it, God oh, that Disney had Earth to Net to kind of save their butts as a Jim Henson kind of thing. And Earth to Net works because Jim Henson Company did it and they understand the humor and timing of their characters. The yeah. performers actually understand how the riff on other celebrities really well. And it's a talk show, variety show that works. It's almost like the formula's right there. Why don't they do that with the Muppets? Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what Disney has planned for Jim, that Jim Henson company in the future. But hopefully they'll correct that out. I am glad that like they didn't buy out the Jim Henson company. I think that's the issue yeah. with the Muppets, for sure, is that they have no idea what to do with it. But also, I'm glad yeah. that like the Jim Henson company has been able to have creative freedom to do what they want. Now, it backfired for them. Happy Time Murders is absolute garbage. But <laughs> the Dark Crystal series was great. So, yeah. Happy Time Maybe Murders... Maybe Disney Plus can revive that. So, Happy Time <laughs> really... Yeah, that'd be great. Happy Time Murders, this is really funny... Uh, story i i saw that with a few people on a rabbit and you guys i i was hyped for that movie for seven years of my life like i was repping it up to be the coolest thing that ever happened and we watched it and um our, our mutual hayden elmore on here i watched it with him and after the movie like i was talking about it and he literally went brett are you okay like do we, do we need to help you because like he's like i've never heard you sound that sad before in my life and i still haven't like, I was so sad. I was just like, guys, I don't even know if I can continue the ride anymore. Because <laughs> Happy Time Murders <laughs> broke me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, like, it was it was rough. I have a very long, detailed rant on Letterboxd, if you guys want to find that, of my Happy Time Murder reviews. I'm pretty sure it's one of the most popular reviews on the site. Because people are like, oh, this is a passionate takedown. <laughs> Do you, like, have a hatred for Melissa McCarthy now? Or... <laughs> I did before, um, but that certainly didn't help. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. She was in Can You Ever Forgive Me the same year. Yeah, that was crazy, because that was a really good movie, and she did a great performance. Yeah. Uh, happy time. So, right. so I know for Brett, what, what are your thoughts on Muppet Vision 3D at the theme parks? Oh, it's it's dope. It's great. Okay, cool. It's, it's the last thing that Jim Henson ever worked on on the Muppets before he passed away. Um, it is, Waldo graphic kind of gets on my nerves. I think that part of the show drags a little bit, but everything else yeah. is great. Yeah. So some other things that I certainly wasn't a fan of, and we kind of have all watched together. One is Magic Camp, which is... Oh my lord. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh man, she just George. went for it. She went for it. George, <laughs> it's your time to rant now. Rant about Magic Camp. <laughs> I don't know what there is to rant about. It's just yeah. a bad decon. It, yeah. It's not. This is not the murder of Nicole Brown Simpson, where I could probably go on for like five hours about how awful that movie is. I don't think I, I can't believe you watched that. Uh, yeah, don't watch that. It's yeah. awful. Um, I can't really do that with this movie. All I can do is make fun of it. Yeah. I, if Adam Devine wasn't in this movie, this totally could have been a decom. And at one point, this was going to hit theaters, and Disney actually made the right decision of just putting it on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I think they knew they had a bad one, and they were like, all right, let's just... Yeah. Not... Yeah. Oh, George, I apologize for you having to edit my entire Muppet rant. <laughs> uh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I even made sense. I think a part of it was very incoherent, so I apologize. My apologies. I'll probably listen to this back to this um, later, like tonight or maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was um, certainly I, a, a time in my life. I have a hatred. I think probably the same hatred that you have for Muppets now I have for Armis Fowl. I, and, uh, and, and Mulan, actually. But I think I can actually rant more about Mulan. But side note on Armis Fowl, it is. I have a ranking of all the Disney Plus originals I've watched, and it is the worst yeah. to me because it's just so incoherent and so bland and so dumb and so any bad adjective can probably be described to it. The main kid, I don't think, could act. And I know that's probably harsh because he's a kid, but, like, uh, just everything was so wrong about that production. I don't think it's entirely the kid's fault. I think, like, for some reason, like, the camera to linger about two seconds longer on him that needed to be. So, like, it's almost like they're like, cut! And then he just, like, dropped his face and they were still recording. And they didn't edit that cut out. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you I want to get this across real quick. My, my hatred for Muppets now is very personal. Artemis Fowl is definitely worse. I would even argue that Mulan is worse. Yeah. Uh, Uh, yeah, There was a moment in Artemis Fowl. I think you guys remember on the podcast. It was when they started shooting those fairies or whatever. For whatever reason, for no reason at all, I just started dying laughing right there because it just looks so awful. Yeah. (laughs) Do you remember the part where, like, Josh Guy, he plays, like, a troll, right? And he, like, like opens his mouth really wide and starts like digging and eating the sand and then like he farts too because you know you had to have a fart joke in a kids movie that people of Hollywood think for some reason so I have a funny story about Arden's Fowl my dad was somewhat like anticipating it coming out he was like it could be interesting and I was one being like it's gonna be mediocre man and he was like I mean it probably will but you never know they could have something and then the reviews came out, and they're like a 10%. And I was like, apparently it's not even mediocre. It's, like, terrible. And my dad's like, I think I might have just gotten, like, this extreme hate on it. We'll, we'll see if it's that bad. And then I watched it with you guys. And I reported the next day. I was like, this is, like, genuinely maybe the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. He's like, there's no way. There's no way it's the worst movie you've ever seen. And so I pulled up the scene that was already online of Josh Agad unhinging his jaw. 
digging through the dirt, eating and busting through a wi- the building. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and I showed him that scene, and my dad was like, okay, stand corrected. That might be the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, that's, that's the whole movie explained right there. Yeah. That's, we always have on a sit-down where I'll explain. There's this one scene in the movie and explains the whole movie in a nutshell. That That's it. That's the scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then... Of course, there's the whole thing about Mulan, which is, a, I think, an important note in Disney Plus history. Because mm-hmm. Disney Plus, because of the pandemic, was like, hey, we made a lot of money towards this production. So we're going to charge you $30 to watch it. And so that's a that was a choice Disney made. It wasn't even for a good movie, though. I'm so glad I didn't have to pay. But well, I think it's I think Mulan's awful. Because yeah, I they, think it's a terrible movie. Yeah. And also, it's like, again, it's the same situation where the actors suck. I didn't believe the, the main girl as Mulan. The the guys at the camp, they're supposed to be like these like funny guys, the, the these funny, cool sidekicks. I couldn't remember them or tell a single one-liner like I did from the animated movie, you know? They also didn't have the songs, which I guess I get because they wanted to do a like a more mature thing. Which, by the way, like this movie's PG thirteen, but as I'm watching this movie, it feels like Disney went back and tried to like sanitize the fighting. Like they yeah, didn't want to show like a thirteen. I'll still remember like there's a shot where like a guy gets stabbed through the chest, right, and like the camera's like by his shoulder as he like lifts his hand up for the wo- from his wound and like they cut because it's like you were like right about to see the blood and I'm like you guys is and like the cuts too when there's like a big like fight scene are so <laughs> bad and, and you can't register what's happening right that there's this one scene where she's running on this campground and the camera cuts and she's in one place and she teleports to up the cliff and my brother-in-law, who's like an acting major, he did it to film, but he knows a little bit, right? Was like, what on earth <laughs> what was that? Like, it was an obvious, it's like jarring, like, they just broke the rule of thirds and the 180 rule just for a second so she could teleport onto the top of the mountain. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? That's like, it was like one of the most notable laws i've seen in a big movie in a while yeah i remember being like they they broke a lot of rules here and it was not for artistic reasons and it sucks too because the hype was there i mean it was like there like uh, like the trailers were really good like there was one point to come out of this whoever did the trailers raised for you i would say yeah <laughs> they made the, the movie look really like, good it was an interesting riff on like kurosawa and yeah. I was like, oh, okay, it looks like an actual movie. And it definitely was not great. <laughs> and then, like, it got the PG-13 rating, too. So I'm like, okay, great. They're not going to, like, cut away. Like, they're going to show realistically how, like, a fight would take. And then that didn't really happen either. Overall disappointment. Well, but you know what? I think I'm glad for Disney for being like, you know what? We have Disney+. Plus. We don't have that much original content because of the pandemic. Let's just dump all our horrible titles on here. <laughs> yeah, it's actually amazing how Dis- Disney this year has just dumped their trash in the most intricate ways possible. 
like them just being like, we're going to release new mutants when all theaters are closed in theaters is genius. I'm one of the only people to have seen that movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. One of the only people who have seen that movie and it's terrible. Like in six months, we're all going to be talking about how bad new mutants was. Cause people will finally watch it. It, it, it it's, it's horrendous, but like they just threw it aside. It's genius. But Milan, there's a, there's a lot of things that's offensive about Milan. Um, number one, in a political realm, the main actress is like, yeah, I support the Hong Kong police, the actual fascists that have been stripping away our rights for who knows how long. So that's great. And so, and again, her performance isn't great. So that makes it a lot easier to be like, yeah, she wasn't good. And she's also a bad person. Um <laughs> So there's that. There's facts that there's actually rumors that, that an editor edited out internment camps that they filmed right next to and caught filming of and decided that's going to look really bad in the movie. Let's cut it out, even though we were filming right next to internment camps. <laughs> so there's that. Uh. And then the fact... So there's this big plot decision made in Milan that completely kills everything about the Mulan story. So Mulan has a thing called Chi. All right. So Chi is ancient mystic power that you can hone into. And a lot more media has explored Chi before, but it's more of a way of like, you have to train and hone in on it and experience your inner self. It's very spiritual. And again, if you watched Avatar The Last Airbender, you would know kind of how Chi actually plays out. But in this Milan movie, Chi is like, she's a superpowered. Oh, she's got the power of Chi, so she can jump on buildings. Woo! You know? And that undercuts the feminism in the actual movie. Because Milan is a special movie in Disney's catalog. Because you get this, this girl who ends up fighting with, for her dad in this war and she's this normal girl and she helps win the war that's inspiring you cut out the inspiring part when the woman goes off the war and she's already figured it out she knows all the power she knows all the rope she knows all the move it cuts all tension a very inspiring and engrossing part of the original cartoon was the fact that she was normal and she had to figure out how to fight that's 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 the basis of the story they just completely lost the basis of the story. Like, what is there the root for? So if you cut that, if you if you add that plot story in, you cut the songs, what you have is just a boring adaption of Mulan. Like, they should have seen it coming from a mile away. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. I definitely agree with every single point you made. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was I going to... Yeah, it just made me appreciate the original so much more. And not take that for granted. That's the original Mulan is such a beautifully animated movie too. So Great. shout out to the people who made that movie because that was hard work. That was originality. That was like classic Disney. It's classic Disney, man. It's it makes your heart warm. It's inspiring. But like. I don't know. The original Milan is great, and I thought they had something going with the live-action one, and they didn't the whole time. That about sums it up. Yeah. Uh, something 
something else, one more thing I just saw today was clouds, which yeah. I was so shocked how good it was. I think I would add that as another, like, people probably going to miss, dismiss it, but it's really good. I think it's really inspiring, and it could totally have gone like, hey, Hallmark movie of the week, but it feels like the emotions are earned. And it takes its time. I mean, it's a two-hour movie of getting you into the life of this kid and his struggles and his ups and downs. And it's also, like, pretty mature. And I'm I'm surprised but yet glad that Disney put its name on it. It was originally a Warner Brothers movie, but then they bought it from them. So I guess that adds to it. Like, Disney didn't make it. But at the same time, you still have your name on a movie that's dealing with accepting death, which could be scary to a company who caters to three-year-olds who love to wear princess tiaras, you know? So yeah. I think I yeah. just have to give a shout-out shout to that. That's is a good movie. Is Carpenter in it? Yes, she is, which I think yeah. you'll like it. <laughs> yeah, I like Sabrina Carpenter. She's cool. I've told yeah. you I've told you guys that uh, my cousin met Sabrina Carpenter, right? Is this a, is this a story I've told before? I, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Because I was in Tennessee, and I woke up one day, and my cousin's like, getting ready to meet Sabrina Carpenter. We're going out for lunch. That was really weird. I was like, what's happening? So, side note, I saw her in concert. She came to our big fair, and yeah, I saw her in concert. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad to see where she is now after Girl Meets World, you know? Ah. So, I think that's it, unless there's any other Disney Plus originals you guys want to talk about. Oh. Hmm. One and only Ivan was cute, but I think it's a little forgettable. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot. I watched that, too. It was adorable. Yeah. (laughs) Sam Rockwell plays a gorilla. Yes. It made me really sad about the actual gorilla who was stuck in a shopping mall. I'm like, who on earth thought that was good? Yeah. Yeah. But the movie was like free him, you know. <laughs> yeah, it Timmy was like Phil- one of those oh. like one of only I've seen. It's like one of those movies I would have watched when I was twelve, and been like, oh, I feel like a good person. Oh, Brett! Oh my gosh, we almost forgot Encore. How did we not Encore. talk about that? Encore. Oh, okay. Encore. Got- <laughs> Are you guys ready for another? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna have yeah. a. <laughs> Encore was amazing. It's sweet. It's funny. I love just using adjectives, but yeah, it's so great. Definitely check it out. So I have a few what I call comfort shows, and I guess my ultimate comfort show was probably Freaks and Geeks. But regardless, I'm talking about shows that I put on in the background as I draw and I work on stuff, and they just keep me entertained. I watched through like maybe 60 episodes of iCarly last semester it was crazy that's on my list in practical jokers i've seen hundreds of episodes of that and i would put encore on that list um i discovered it they wanted disney plus and immediately knew it would be something i would dig because of my own experience with high school theater and it got me in the feels every episode and it's so telegraphed and so played and I understand how these things are made and they work and dang it, they get me every single time for whatever reason. And it's just because it's about musical theater and that's something that's special to me, but like it's adorable. 
I think it's important. I think it's heartwarming and it's great. It was that and also the Lego Master Show, which they renewed for season two. I'm so high. Yes. <laughs> I guess we forgot to tell you in case you don't know what Encore is. It's basically um, old high school like musical theater classes come back together and they have a week to re- they redo their show. So like one was one episode was all about this class that performed Beauty and the Beast and they would come back and have a week to redo their entire show. And I think it's such an interesting concept, too, because in between the fact that you have a week to do an entire show, which is insane and crazy, you also have the moments where the old classmates come up and like, hey, so, like, I was kind of really mean to you, and I didn't have my stuff figured out because I was in high school, and some of them are apologizing or just kind of, like, being like, hey, I'm a better person now than I was before. Yeah, that's, and, that's a really compelling part of the... It's a very cathartic show. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, though, is Disney Plus kind of advertised it a lot with Christian Bell when she's only in, like, two episodes as a producer <laughs> than, like, a host. <laughs> she's literally on the poster, and her role in the show is she occasionally shows up and goes, I'm Christian Bell. Good luck, guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't watch it if you're... I mean, watch it, but don't go into expecting it to be the Christian Bell show, because it's not. <laughs> so as we're venturing off, we've been talking about the past and year one, and of course, ups and downs, and I can attribute some of it due to what's going on in the world right now in 2020. I think the future's looking bright for Disney, and that's what this podcast is for i'm excited to have me and a couple other people here on toy box to cover what's new in terms of originals here on disney plus definitely talking about all the new marvel shows that's going to be insane i mean who here is ready for wandavision wandavision looks amazing i am so down for it it looks like marvel actually doing something creative which is nice and that's they've been great mm-hmm. stuff for a while now. I'm ready for them to do. I'm ready for Marvel to pull their Lynch phase. And yeah, this that's like um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for them to pull their Lynch. I'm ready for them just to be like, we're gonna do something completely out there. Um, we can alienate our audiences, and that's fine. This is the future. They made the highest grossing movie of all time. You might as well just go bananas now. And I yeah. think WandaVision could be the start of them just going completely bananas, and I'm into it. Definitely. I think that's the great thing about Disney Plus is it allows Marvel and, like, Star Wars to be like, hey, we're not limited to two to three hours of story. We can do a six-hour mini series like WandaVision, and we can have fun with it and kind of play... <laughs> I know there was an Entertainment Weekly article that was released earlier this week that was like the creator saying this really is a tribute to to past TV sitcoms as well as something new and creative for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And you can already see that by that trailer that was released, which is amazing. And yeah, just a bunch of other things exciting too. So hopefully you come, you guys come and join us for our next episode where coming in like early december we're planning on where we're going to be talking about the november original releases and so that will be things like inside pixar where we're going to look into the people who make pixar pixar you know that'll be exciting we oh, have... wonder if disney was good too 
Yeah, that was. They're still releasing the shorts now. They have like 50 of those. It's, it's really kind sad of because some of the actors on that are like unemployed at Disney now because of yeah, the it's it's ironic now because I'm like, oh, that poor thing's probably out of a job now, probably not doing that job, and it's sad. Well, like at the same time, episode about um the actress who plays Dory on Finding Nemo the Musical, they all got laid off. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. sucks. Anyway, yeah. Sorry to get on a downer note. I didn't mean to do that. No. <laughs> No, we have a Lego Star Wars special. We have new Mickey Mouse shorts. Heck yeah. We have uh, Marvel 616, which will be very interesting. And it's an anthology series exploring different parts of Marvel. Like there's like one episode that's going to be about like women in Marvel. And another episode about like the plays they do. Like they made plays for high school students to put on, which will be very, very interesting. And then we have a movie with Kate Winslet as a horse. Her Oscar winning role. Oh, right my. now. This is coming <laughs> up the same month as Ammonite, keep in mind. Ammonite who? Nope, she's going to get nominated for the horse. For Black Beauty, heck yeah. Oh, I'm man. starting her Oscar campaign. Kate Winslet as Black Beauty. It starts right here. It starts right now. Yeah. So that's all our first episode, everyone. Thank you for hearing with us and talking about year one originals. Make sure you come back next month as we talk about the November originals and all the fun that that's going to bring. And join us as we talk all things Disney Plus at the Toy Box Mouse Clubhouse. Thank you for hearing. Bye.